God is so good. And I uh, just want to thank our worship team for uh, vitalizing a chorus. That, I mean, I used to sing that when I was like, in junior high. And uh, it just really, the older you get and the farther you go with God, the more that is meaningful. Those simple words, God is so good. Well, we look to the Word of God. You know, in our faith journey, oftentimes we can get stuck or, or plateaued. Do you ever feel like that? I mean, sometimes we think and want that it's just always up and to the right. Like, but the fact is, life gives us challenges. The pace of life has a way of grinding us down. There just seems to be things that our faith journey can just kind of ebb or flow or flatten out. And I uh, especially want to encourage people, especially men past 45. Most research tells us most Christian men past 45 stop leaning in and growing personally. They're just so consumed with the end of their next 20 years of work that they just, that, that's what consumes them. Uh, most Christian books, uh, last I read, 87% 80, of Christian books were purchased by women. So gentlemen, uh, Let's just, come on. I don't know, I just, I grew up in locker rooms. Come on, I want to get in your grill and just call you out. Let's, let's go, lean in, uh, give time to, tend to the matters of heart. As my mentor who I lost last week says, be a soul man, be a man of soul. But this happens to us, you know, and in the Bible we find numerous prayers that were prayed for believers that would stimulate their faith and different aspects of their journey. And we can actually pull these prayers out, make them ours, pray the words or the principles found in them, and we can pray them for us. We can pray them for others and for our church. And we can have confidence that God is going to respond because after all, he's the one by his spirit who worked through the writers. He wrote them. You can trust his words and you can pray him. In the living word of God, we can pray them. It's active, it's powerful, and it's effective so that we can trust it when we pray. Again, as a few weeks ago, John Maxwell said, when we pray God's, we pray God's will when we pray God's word. And so when we do that, when we pray the words of Scripture, and we can have confidence that God hears us. And 1 John tells us that when he, we know that if we pray in His will, He hears us, and we have what we've asked for, those requests, if they're accord, according to the will of God and not driven by our own selfishness. So I just want to encourage us. So we've been looking at some friends in this series, here, this series of six prayers. There's more in the Scripture, I know that. But unless you wanted a 32-week series... It is month of prayer and fasting. Um, this one encourages the Amen six, Second Thessalonians we looked at, and uh, we just uh, just won't want to review those. Let's just move on. Uh, so today we're looking to Colossians chapter one, verses nine through eleven. The actual extension prayer goes actually longer than that through to fourteen, but the actual guts of the prayer is in nine to eleven. In Colossae, I had the privilege of being in Turkey uh, a number of years ago, and you see that whole landmass over there in the present-day Turkey. You'll see Colossae circled in the middle. And uh, the person who started that church was a person named Epaphras. He was a, a colleague of Paul, and he took the gospel and preached up the Lycus Valley, and he preached there in Laodicea and Hierapolis. And uh, Colossae, there's not much to see really in Colossae today compared to the ruins of Ephesus and some of the other places like Hierapolis. 
but it was, uh, a, it was sort of had a little bad self-image. It was sort of the smaller city in, the midst, in, the, in front of all the, the bigger, more famous uh, cities around it. But this city, the church was planted. And when Paul, Paul has just thanked God for them in the prayer, and he's affirmed their authentic faith, and he's affirmed their love, growing in love. And there's, uh, th- there's something, though, that Epaphras reported to Paul, who's in prison. He reported to Paul some things. Obviously, he's celebrating their faith and their love, but there was something in that report that prompted him to exhort the church. And it's going to have a significant impact in their discipleship and their faithfulness in their Christian lives. And while faith is absolutely essential, and while love, love for God, fellow Christians, other people, and while love is the greatest Christian virtue, neither of these will flourish nor be sustained without a critical aspect of discipleship. And this is what Paul prays for the church today. I'm going to read it, and then we'll go back, we'll dissect it, go right into our applications as we go. The word of the Lord. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The word of the Lord. Yes. Praise be to God. Here's the big, here's the prayer request in a nutshell. He prays that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's the request. To be filled, to fill out to completeness. There's a, it's, it's there they have Christians, the Spirit lives in them. They're, they're sort of walking on this journey, but he's praying that they'd be filled out with it, that they would grow into it. Part of the uh, illustration in this word is to, that of furnishing a room. The room's been built, and there's some things, but like a brand-new married couple that don't have a lot, they got to furnish it. My son is uh, moving into a uh, new townhouse soon, and he's getting it ready for his bride to join them after the wedding, and he's they're starting to, you know, they're going to be putting things in there. This empty townhouse is going to be putting, it's furnishing it. And this is what he's calling them to, to be filled, filled, full, to completeness. Make sure that it's something that you continue to grow into, not just have a bare amount, to be filled with the knowledge of his will. His will here is his moral will, his commanded will, what he calls us to, the commands he gives us in Scripture, how to live, how to conduct our lives, that we would be filled with the knowledge of this will. How do we expect to live as Christians if we don't know what he expects or what his will is? So it's important. Yes, we can have faith in God and trust him, We can love people like crazy, but how are we going to know how to live? 
We must know his will. But just not to know the will. This will is given in a context or it's infused with certain things. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Not worldly wisdom. Not fleshly wisdom. The wisdom of our world, we don't try to take, you know, the knowledge of God and somehow couch it in earthly wisdom and then twist God's will. No, God's will is revealed in the context of spiritual wisdom. That is, of the Spirit, when we've been regenerated and born again, trusting in Christ and He comes to live in us, then what happens is He gives us spiritual wisdom, the wisdom that comes from God through the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God. And so he prays that the living knowledge of God's will would be wisely understood, wisely applied with spiritual wisdom and understanding. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. And so he's talking about this. It needs to be applied wisely and with understanding. Now, you and I know, all know people who know what the Bible says, but they don't apply it wisely. Any of you know a person like that? probably sitting in the two rows behind you, right? We all know people who are called Christians who, who inappropriately and unwisely apply the Word of God, not in understanding ways. But this spiritual wisdom is to be understood, given insight to, to mentally put together how God's will should be lived. They see why it's His will. So the answering of this prayer to be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding becomes a filter. It becomes a filter which screens out the ideas, beliefs, philosophies, worldviews, claims, values, all of that that is in our world that continually bombards us. It provides a safeguard against false teaching. And this evaluation, this discernment is critical for our spiritual development. So it becomes a filter that is a safeguard, but it also repairs or renews the thinking that we absorb. Most of us don't even understand the depth, I don't, of how much of the world's teaching and will we absorb just by living in this culture. But Growing in our knowledge of God's will and with spiritual wisdom and understanding helps us to discern those things, to root out what is not apart from what is not of God and His kingdom. And it sort of repairs and renews our thinking and it filters and discerns these messages and ideas. And this leads to transformed lives. It's the primary source of knowing God's will in the Bible what the Holy Spirit wrote through the writers. And Billy Graham said something interesting. He said, if you are ignorant of God's word, you will always be ignorant of God's will. I know, I know, you're sick and tired of preachers from every corner of the earth telling you, read your Bible. But I want to say, you and I, We neglect it to our peril. We will be ignorant of God's will, how to live, 
if we're ignorant of his word. You want spiritual wisdom and understanding. You want to know God's will. I just can't, I don't know how else to say it. There's no easy way. You can't get it by osmosis. You know, some of your auditory learners, you know, you can take uh, Bible apps, like you version. You can put it in, like you're playing music in the car, you can put that up, and there's a little button that says, and you can play it, and it'll speak it to you while you're driving. Like, there's all kinds of ways to get the scripture into us. Get it? Well, putting it this way, in the biblical perspective, this is really true, knowing equals applying. Now, we are products of Greek thought that, you know, has, has done a, this incredible thing. In the Hebrew thought, in the ancient languages, in the ancient world, you didn't know someone and know something unless you did something. You didn't know how to do about something until you could do something. They were intricately connected. And so close was that true. What did the older versions talk about? They talked about a husband knowing his wife and his wife knowing his husband. And that just wasn't in there, you know what I mean? You see, there was this inseparable nature about knowing and doing. And so, to know God's will is to practically apply it in our lives. And this comes out of Paul's Hebrew background and his training so that knowledge and conduct are inseparable. So, please understand it. We, in our culture, think that we know things just because we've studied them intellectually or read a book, heard a, heard a newscast or watched a podcast. We think we know. You can regurgitate information, but friends, you don't know it in the biblical sense. I know how to work out. Can't you tell? <laughs> you see, here's the thing. I, I used to do it in the past a lot. After playing midget double A hockey and the refereeing, wrestling, going to the Canadian National Wrestling Finals, like I, I know all about that working out. But do I know working out? Be careful. I know about it right now. You see, knowing and doing. So, here's what, I, here's our, here's what our application to. Here's what I want us to understand. Knowing and doing God's will awakens the very best in us. What I'm talking about, I'm talking about the kingdom life. It just awakens it. So, I'm just going to walk through the prayer. I'm going to pull out the things that he's, we're emphasizing about knowing and doing his will. First thing he prays is that we would live worthy. That we would live worthy. Not just knowing how to live, not just knowing about what's a good life, but living the life God calls us to. He says in verse 10, so as, he prays for the knowledge of your will, I love the NASB translation, so that, here's the reason why you pray this. There's results that are coming if you pray this. And here it is. 
so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in all respects. Walk is an ancient Jewish metaphor for those that are new to Christianity and stuff, and it means it's a metaphor for how you live your life or conduct yourself, this general behavior, to be people who live in alignment with the call of Christ and his kingdom life, to live in a manner that is fitting or suitable to Jesus' teaching, that's reflective of his character and his purposes. To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing. To please him in all of us. Now, you, some of you who are parents, you get this. Actually, you don't even have to be a parent. You have a good friend. You can do things. You can, you can live in certain ways to just bring pleasure. It just pleases When you see your kids doing things that you've built into them and taught them, and they're, and they're doing it, they're obeying, they're doing these extra things, you can see it taking root, and it just brings joy to your heart. And so this happens when we walk in a manner worthy. You know, I wrote down very quickly a couple of things, this whole idea of pleasing God, that you may please him in all respects. You know, 1 Thessalonians 2.4, we share the gospel as pleasing to God. 1 Thessalonians 4.1, living how we ought to brings pleasure to God. Living with faith and trusting him, Hebrews 11.6. In fact, you, it's impossible to please God without faith. Doing good and sharing your money and your stuff, Hebrews 13.16. God sees these sacrifices as pleasurable. He takes pleasure in them. Uh, not aiming to please people, but to please God. That pleases him, Galatians 1.10. Uh, not living in the flesh, but in the spirit, Romans 8.8. 8. Praying to God, Psalm 19.14. When we want to do God's will and work, Philippians 2.13. Praying for all those who are in high positions and praying for all people, 1 Timothy 2.1-3. This is well-pleasing to the Lord. So there's a lot of things. There's a little study if you want to do it and study what is pleasing to God. We walk in a manner worthy, it brings him pleasure. Here's the second thing. Knowing and doing God's will awakens us, because here's another result. We bear fruit. Bearing fruit. We're productive, we're effective. Bearing fruit in every good work. The result or the evidence, so he says, so as to walk in a manner worthy, fully pleasing, bearing fruit in every good work. Now, Paul, just like Paul, he says, do this so that, and then he's actually going to give, he gives a string of participles. All of them actually help or flow out of that original prayer request, but here's another one, bearing fruit in every good. The result or the evidence of this new life that we've been giving is that our transformed lives will become fruitful lives. It reminds me of Jesus when he told that parable in the New Testament about the farmer who is planting seed. And he, he goes and he distributes the seed and some fall in hard places and they don't respond to it and just gets taken away. And then some that, it goes into rocky soil and they sort of respond, but there's too many rocks and stuff. Then and they get choked out by the pleasures of the world and by worries and all these kinds of things that happen. But the one that had deep roots where there was free of thorns, the seed produces 30, 60, or 100 fold. And part of having good soil in your heart is to be rock-picking, pulling weeds, and nourishing that soil of your heart. And you will bear fruit. Jesus said, 
by their fruit you will know them, whether or not they're believers or not. Who's a true follower in the kingdom? So there's good fruit, and then there's fruit that's not so good. Hebrews talks about the fact that um, as we grow in our faith, that there are those that have their powers of discernment trained to discern good and evil. What is good? What is evil? So being filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding enables us to know and discern what is good fruit, what is bad fruit, what's meaningless fruit or helpful fruit, what's eternal fruit for the kingdom and will last forever, and what's temporary that's going to just mean nothing for Christ. So our growing and transformed lives will begin to produce or show evidence, uh, effective fruit or, or uh, working uh, for Christ's church and for his growing kingdom. Here's the third thing. He says, uh, knowing and doing God's will awakens the best. Not only will we live worthy and bear fruit, but knowing God. I mean, knowing God more thoroughly, more deeply. He says in verse, the end of verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy, fully pleasing, bearing fruit, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing, growing, deepening, enlarging. Being enlarged in the knowledge of God. It's something we increase into. We're engaged with. And so as we live the way God calls, he fills us with his knowledge of his will. And as we live it out with spiritual wisdom and understanding, we get a greater sense of who God is. We get to know him personally. I'm going to share how this happens. Because as we do so, he reveals his character to us. He reveals what he values, how he works in people's lives. He'll reveal his faithfulness. Why did God give the Ten Commandments for them to not commit adultery? Just for moralisms to keep them there? Well, there's benefit there, but you know what? God's people, as they lived faithfully, were showing the rest of the world what kind of God they served, one who was faithful to his people. Obeying his moral commands brings us into experiential you know, understanding as to why he gave the command in the first place. He's a God that wants the best for us. He protects us from certain things and he blesses us with certain things. So as we live it out, as we forgive other people, we get a sense of all that God has done for us. Proactive commands help us to know him more, to seek him, to read his word, to pray with him. And as we do these, he shows us more of who he is and reveals his heart to us. God's will, the fourthly, is, is, gonna, is one of the benefits of being filled with the knowledge of his will and applying it in our life with wisdom and understanding is we're going to receive strength. We'll be receiving strength. Here's one of the benefits. We pray this thing and we're filled with this. Why? So that we will be strengthened with all power. According to his glorious might for all endurance, patience, and joy. 
being strengthened. You know, in the Greco-Roman world that the Colossae was in, you know, this whole uh, search for spiritual power was a big deal. People sought it uh, through connection with various gods, pagan rituals, all kinds of things. But a lot of times it was in order to protect them from evil spirits or to help them acquire wealth or have more influence. But in the kingdom of God, spiritual power and wisdom is made available to believing Jesus followers as his gift and as his enabling for us. Through the Holy Spirit, he manifests his power to us to enable us to do what he calls us to do, enable us to become what he's calling us and working in us to become. So it's also in the continuous tense. So what happens is it's not a one-time shot. You just don't get all the power of God once and then you withdraw it until there's none left. No, no, no. It's a continual releasing a continuing experience of receiving every time the need arises. Um, one of my first real, besides my father, one of my first real mentors, if you will, he uh, gave me this card. It's, uh, well, it's at the end of Joshua. He, in, it was in my, here's the original one, in my, um, this was what, 30, 33 years ago, 35, four years ago, five years ago maybe, and he pronounced over me at my ordination uh, the blessing of Asher, and it was in the old King James, and uh, he dissected it all, but in the last phrase of there, it says this, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Whatever days, good days, bad days, hard days, easy days, tough days, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Yeah, he'll give us strength. He will manifest it within us. His power is a person. So when we ask of the Holy Spirit to dwell within the heart of, and to manifest his presence and infuse us and release himself, come upon us, fill us with the strength of God, he'll do that. And so Paul prays this. According to his glorious might, God has all the power, endless in its supply. It's abundant, effective. It's the same power that was released in raising Jesus from the dead. I know it's so hard for us to understand. That's available to me, but it's true. It's not available for self-promotion and dominance, but it's true to become like Jesus and do the things he called us to, to persevere when we're struggling. So the purpose for God's strength within us is for endurance and patience with joy. In the pain of difficult circumstances, suffering, persecution, and in the frustration with difficult people. <laughs> See, as Christians, most often when we have difficult people around us, what we want to do is just avoid them. But God has given power through the Holy Spirit to actually engage and be in community with those who are very difficult sometimes. And he encourages us, man, be filled with the power of God. He will strengthen you. His strength can deal with those. His love can be poured out to those that are tough. And I know I've been the recipient of much of your 
the power of God as you love this old broken person. In the process of the strength to become like Jesus and the challenge of living kingdom life in this world to obey his teaching, resisting temptation and the devil, uh, trusting in God to provide, disciplining ourselves to train and build practices in our life. In the privilege of serving Christ's church, he empowers us in our spiritual gifts to do so. In the grind of living for him in the GTA and the responsibility of sharing the gospel in our world, oh, our fatigue, our inadequacy, our limitations are infused by his energy, his sufficiency, and limitless capacity if we dare trust him and receive. And we can go through, he gives this strength for our endurance and patience so that we can do it with joy. It's a sign that the Spirit is empowering someone to do all of this with joy. It's always been a key trait. These promises for us. Billy Graham went on to say that the will of God will not take us where the grace of God can't sustain us. He will. We must believe him. Here's the last thing. Knowing and doing God's will awakens the best in us because as we pray for being filled with that knowledge and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, we live worthy. We bear fruit. We know God more deeply. We receive strength. And lastly, we give thanks. We'll become grateful people. Giving thanks to the Father. And here's typical Paul. He just then just can't hold himself. Why do you give thanks to the Father? If you're ever wondering if you can't give thanks one day, just go to this passage. He gives you five things, but three big words that he does right off. One, he's qualified you, he's delivered you, and he's transferred you. He says, we can give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. What he's talking about here is that he is qualified. You don't have to qualify yourself. Aren't you glad? Good grief. Can you ever be good enough? Can you ever do enough? No, but what Jesus has done for us, he has qualified us. That is so good. He has qualified us by faith in and through Christ to share in the inheritance. This is language that you know, comes out of the Older Testament where it was reserved only for Jewish people under the Old Covenant. Now it's applied to all non-Jewish people, to the Gentiles, and now we who are now share in this whole covenant of God that he will establish his covenant forever with us and we get into all of the covenant blessing. These are in Christ who we called saints in the inheritance of the saints. Are you a saint? <laughs> Everything in within us wants to go, mm-mm. Because we know ourselves too well. But the Bible calls you a saint. What does a saint mean? Biblically, New Testament, it means holy ones. Those who have been set apart by Christ, by faith. We've received his righteousness, and now our standing before God is one of being holy, a saint. In light. The saints in light. This vital connection with the living Jesus who is the light of the world. He, the light came and shone in the darkness darkness didn't comprehend it, but he came to enlighten every man. 
When we come to Christ, when we believe in him, we become into his light. We come into him. And all saints, those who have put their faith in Christ, are set apart, are heirs. Co-heirs with Christ, and we are heirs of all the covenant blessings. There's a second thing he says. We've deliv- he's delivered us from the domain of darkness. Wow, aren't you glad? Isn't that something to be thankful for? Darkness in the scripture is sort of a symbolic of, of sin and death and the dominion of Satan and the chaos of all of the evil and wicked spirits. Darkness. But in Christ, he's not only qualified you, he's delivered. He's delivered us. And there, it's just beautiful. Liberated us from the domain or the domination of sin and the domination of Satan. And then he's transferred us. Oh, love that. It's like a rescue going in behind enemy lines, and he he rescues them and pulls them out, transfers them and drops them off into safe territory, and this is what he's done. But he hasn't just done that while he has taken care of the powers of darkness such. He's transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, I just love this. He says in this next verse, in the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Redemption means to, to redeem means to liberate or set free by a payment. And Jesus has purchased our payment from sin and judgment and darkness and eternal death through the payment of his blood on the cross satisfying all of the judgment of God, satisfying all that we needed to be purchased out of that kingdom of darkness. And we celebrate. Now, if you're new to Christianity or this church, sometimes you go, these people are singing about the blood. That sounds weird, doesn't it? Yeah, I went to church today and these people are singing about blood and stuff. Well, yeah. Scripture tells us that when Jesus died, he shed his blood, and his blood cleanses and forgives our sin, covers us. It was, you know, there's no removal or remission of sin without the shedding of blood, and Jesus did that for us. And his blood, his payment cleanses and forgives us from our guilt and shame. So, as you'll read, maybe if you own a New Living Translation Life Application Bible, I just love this concluding paragraph, he says, so the Colossians, like most in the two-thirds world, feared unseen forces of darkness, but Paul says that true believers have been transferred from darkness to light, slavery to freedom, guilt to forgiveness, and from the power of Satan to the mightier power of God. We have been rescued from a rebel kingdom to serve the rightful king. Being filled with the knowledge of his will and living it out in spiritual wisdom and understanding awakens the best in us. Living worthily, bearing fruit, knowing God, receiving strength, and being grateful, giving thanks. What a wonderful life. Don't you want that awakened in you? I certainly do. More and more and more. Friends, it comes by this prayer and applying his will. My challenge, pray that you know God's will in spiritual wisdom and understanding.
eat the book. (laughs) Read the word. Apply it. Get help to understand it, whatever you do. If you're new, I wouldn't start in some of the difficult, more difficult under the old covenant types of verse. Maybe start her in the new the newer testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or especially John. You know, just beautiful. You can read about what who Jesus is and what he does. And you can read then also maybe some of the books like Colossians that this prayer comes out of and just talks about the the transcendent Christ and how to live for him. So, friends, if you want this kind of life to be awakened in you, you can't do it without being undergirded by the knowledge of his will and living it out in spiritual wisdom and understanding. May the Lord lead us to do this. Let's pray.